0: Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host Patrick Feltz here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's time for our Week Eleven recap. A whole lot to break down across the Big Ten, and joining me, as always, to do just that, is Reed Murray in Columbus, Ohio.
1: Reed, what's going on? Hi, Pat. I have got some sore muscles after the Lantern football practice. We're practicing for upcoming scrimmage with the Michigan Daily, and you know you start to feel like an old man. You know I'm only nineteen. But, you know, running around as much as I did, making those sharp cuts, my hip flexors are just on fire today. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not a good feeling. It feels a little bit embarrassing. But um, other than that, this weekend, I had a good broadcast with SGSR. I wore a, a really nice sweater my dad bought me. And... Uh, yeah, overall, just feeling good about this past weekend.
0: It was quite the dapper fit. I'll, I'll give you that, Reed. You were you were fitted out down on the sidelines for the gray out in Columbus. And, hey, I listened for the third quarter of that broadcast, and uh, it was so out of hand that eventually I I kind of half listened for the fourth quarter and half did, and it, it was tough to pay attention. But certainly uh, your voice was incredible to hear on the air on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. So really, really cool opportunity that you got to call that game. And, hey, if you're you're feeling sore, man – I feel like every time I get out and play ball, I I gain a whole new respect for the athletes. Yeah. Cause it's hard. That takes a toll on you. Do that every single day, get up and and just play. It's a lot. Uh, If you've got a bathtub, read a cold bath and some icy hot is the best advice I can give you. Maybe a little ibuprofen, uh, maybe a Gatorade and maybe just some good old fashioned sleep. But before we do all that, we've got a show to do. So let's get into it, Reed. I'll give you the floor here.
1: Uh, who is your winner of the week? Let's start the show how we start every recap. My winner of the week, I'm going to give it to Blake Corum and by association, Greg Jennings, because he put the team <laughs> on his back. Just like that famous video of a video game, Greg Jennings putting the video game Green Bay Packers on his back. What was it, <laughs> probably 12, 13 years ago now? With a broken leg with a broken leg 49-20 ran on the sideline to beat the Saints 49-20 it it was
0: the seventh touchdown of the game that's my favorite part of the video is that you you see Greg Jennings score this touchdown with a broken leg just holding his leg just running really really hopping about 80 yards down the field um it, it's an impressive play he did put the team on his back clearly but with the enthusiasm that this guy gives in the video if you've not seen it please go watch it change that right now You would think that this was a game-winning touchdown. No, this was 49-20 to in Madden, and, uh, yeah, it's
1: incredible. It never gets old, Reed. Yeah, he was really just trying to to run up the score and flex on him. Now, Michigan didn't quite run up the score on Penn State, but Blake Corum really did put the team on his back, and we'll get into this a little bit more why he had to do that later in the episode. But Blake Corum, 145 yards and 26 carries, two touchdowns, a long of 44 yards. Um, He was the main factor that led to Michigan winning this game. And I mean, that's a great stat line. It's, it's nothing, you know, otherworldly, but great stat line. And you can really see more of it when you actually watch the game of just Mm -hmm. how much to this offense, how he created these game winning plays and deciding moments in this Michigan Penn state game. And, you know, when you're on the road to a top 10 team and, you know, say what you want about why Harbaugh was not there, but when your head coach isn't there, you're on the road to a top team in your conference Um, You know, you need big players to step up like that. And Blake Corum did just that.
0: On the offensive side of the football for Michigan, everything clearly runs through Blake Corum. If not for him, then this offense looks a whole lot like Penn State.
1: Yeah, it's certainly against Penn State. I I would say that's the case. And and again, we'll we'll touch on that soon. But yeah, Blake Corum was definitely the focal point of this offense. Absolutely,
0: Reed. So, uh, good choice there. Definitely an important performance by, by Blake Corum, to say the least. But for my winner of the week, I will go with Iowa's defensive reputation because boy, oh boy, was it upheld this week. Just an all out defensive showcase uh, on that side of the football for the Hawkeyes in a 22 to zip victory against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Not that Iowa's defense was ever in question. Uh, except maybe in the Penn state game earlier this season, throwback to when we thought Penn state had a, a, an elite offense. And and I think it gets weirder and weirder. The fact that they hung 31 on Iowa earlier this year, that that's not going to continue to to age. uh, I think that well, just in our, our heads, weird. Right. But Iowa on defense, just absolutely destroyed Rutgers, made Rutgers look like it was 2019. Again, they, uh, were absolutely pitiful from the field, just 127 yards of offense, uh, 2 of 11 on third downs. It, it was miserable. They, they were just completely outmatched on that side of the football. The over-under, and again, an all-time low hit on the under in large part because of Iowa's defense. Really sensational effort by them, as we've seen all season long. And right now they're 8-2, and two, really in the driver's seat to go win this Big Ten West.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it like we, we continue to say, this has been one of the weirdest Big Ten Wests, the most Big Ten West, Big Ten West mm-hmm. to close out its existence in the final year. And I'm not sure exactly what the percentages are on, on each team's likelihood to win, but we were looking at this Big Ten West where really every team kind of had an open door. Now that I was gotten this win over Rutgers, you know, it, not only does it help just by having another tally in the win column, I think this is a big sort of get right game for them i guess you know Mm -hmm. they won against northwestern the week before but it was kind of an ugly win against a pretty mediocre to bad northwestern team so to get a significant win against a team that's bowling that's going to be do huge things for for sort of turning this thing around momentum wise and let's take a look at iowa's remaining schedule see who they have to beat to to really lock up this Big Ten West title—it's Illinois at home and Nebraska on the road. Yeah. Of those are particularly challenging. I mean, they certainly can lose both of those games, but for now, I think Iowa. You're right in that driver's seat. I mean, eight and two—they mm-hmm. are the ones who 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 control their own destiny here.
0: Hey, Illinois hung forty-eight this previous week. That could be kind of a fun matchup: the Iowa defense versus the Illinois offense this coming Saturday. So, kind of worth circling on your calendars i'll I'll put a question mark on that illinois fighting for bowl eligibility we'll talk about that later in the week but between now and then Reed, we've also got to talk about our losers of the week so i'll give you the floor here as well who
1: is your loser of the week i'm gonna say quarterbacking in the michigan versus penn state game because drew aller led this game in passing yards with a total of 70 that's right seven zero passing yards that was the, the the leading passing yard statistic in this game, J.J. McCarthy with 60 of his own. Now, Drew Aller, it's kind of like that that quote you see where I'd rather go over 30 than 0 for 9, because if you go 0 for <laughs> 9, that means you, you gave up, you lost confidence, you stopped trying, whatever. Uh, Drew Aller, you know, he attempted 22 passes, whereas McCarthy attempted eight. So McCarthy killing Aller in terms of average passing yards, but still. And McCarthy's 7 for 8. I mean, he had a good completion percent as well, but only eight pass attempts in a big game like this, that really shows that, the team and your coaching staff don't back you the way they really should if you're this highly touted top prospect, Heisman candidate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Attempting eight passes in a Penn State game in a game against Penn State is just bizarre, and it kind of, you know, we joke about how watching Penn State is, is sort of like a, a form of torture when they're on offense, and part of that is just because they don't have these explosive plays, they don't pass the ball very efficiently, and we saw it again. So passing for both teams really was not there on Saturday. It was kind of like watching a football game from the year 1904. Yeah. But, hey, that was Michigan's heyday. So maybe uh, maybe this is how they get on track to winning uh, the first national title in a while.
0: Yeah, return to, uh, to the classics of college football, if you will. Hey, if it wins, it wins, and it certainly won for Michigan this week. But, Reed, I think an interesting note with the quarterbacking in this game, coming into the Penn State game for Michigan – There were some legitimate Heisman buzz for J.J. McCarthy, and it feels like that's all but evaporated after this performance. You can just tell the coaching staff does not have, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or not on the sideline, a whole lot of faith in J.J. McCarthy. And I can't say I blame them when when I think he's clearly good, but he is an incredibly flawed quarterback. And uh, the fact of the matter is they didn't put the ball in his hands when it mattered most in this game. when They really needed to go down the field and drive. He was not throwing it. He threw the ball eight times throughout the entire game. That's two per quarter on average to to do some really elaborate math there. But, Reed, I I don't get it. I don't think there should be any Heisman hype, and I certainly don't think there should be any more first-round buzz with McCarthy. If his own coaching staff in college and the Big Ten doesn't trust him, why should an NFL team?
1: Yeah, I think leading up to this game, I can understand the hype because, I mean, Michigan was torching these teams, and he's had some great statistical days, excuse me, but when you play a team like Penn State, this is where you have your Heisman moment, where you prove it and you, you know, earn that respect. You back it up on the field and he attempted eight passes. Now, of course, he can't really choose how many passes he attempts. It's not mm-hmm. his fault necessarily in terms of the decision making, but I guess you could say it's his fault and that the coaches didn't have as much trust in him. So, yeah, I think this one, he has a chance to redeem himself against Ohio State and in potentially the Big Ten Championship, if they, especially if they face a defense like I was, but. Right now, it's not looking good for McCarthy in terms of being this national star at quarterback when, yeah, you only attempt eight passes in one of the biggest games of the year.
0: Yeah, serious questions need to be asked that. But for now, Michigan still sits at 10-0. Also, my loser of the week read, uh, this is sort of a a solemn one. I almost hesitate to to bring it up, but my loser of the week is Jim Harbaugh for uh, sadly passing away on Saturday. Rest in peace to Jim Harbaugh. Um, if you didn't hear the news, the Big Ten took Jim Harbaugh out behind the woodshed and uh sent him to the farm upstate. And um, yeah, Michigan's season is certainly not what we expected it to be now, especially with their head coach. Uh, wait, what is that? Reed, I'm getting word that Jim Harbaugh is very much alive. And he's okay. And Sharon Moore completely overreacted in his postgame press conference. And he saw Jim Harbaugh two hours later at the hotel and on the airplane and at practice today. And he'll see him for pretty much whenever he wants to see him, unless it's on the sidelines, because we didn't get a chance to say it on Friday. Jim Harbaugh is suspended for the rest of the Big Ten regular season, unless this restraining order is confirmed in courts, which there's all the I don't want to get into it. But uh, Jim Harbaugh likely not to be on the sidelines for the rest of the regular season, but he can still coach in practice. So it's, it's not like Jim Harbaugh is gone forever, but uh, Sharon Moore in his post-game interview breaks down into tears, talking about uh, all the adversity that this Michigan team is facing. This is self-inflicted adversity. You cheated and you got caught red-handed cheating. And now you are being punished for cheating. Michigan trying to play the victim card. And trying to act like they are overcoming all the odds when they are a team of five stars who cheated and got caught cheating and then got punished for cheating. Uh, It gives a whole new meaning to the term crocodile tears, Read.
1: Yeah. I mean, today, Jim Harbaugh said, this has to be America's team. And he talked about all the adversity and, and all the, the, the things they've overcome and, or they've overcome and you know they prove the naysayers wrong. They prove the so-called experts wrong. America's team? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, Michigan, the last two years, I could see being America's team because they're this you know this this fun team with fun JJ McCarthy that's you know you know beating the you know, they were the underdogs so long against Ohio State. They beat them. They they won the conference for the first time uh, since the conference championship game was implemented. All this stuff, I can see that, but this year being America's team. Get out of here. I mean, look, here's what I'll say about the whole Harbaugh adversity, whatever situation. It's kind of like what I said about Ryan Day and the Lou Holtz situation, that who cares what people on the outside say? If the players are fired up, that's what matters. And the players seem pretty fired up. The players are all in on this whole, you know, Harbaugh, this is for you thing. The world's out to
0: get us, right?
1: Exactly. They feel like the world's out to get them, and they feel like that, you know, they are facing this adversity. So good for them, right? this is going to help the players sort of, I mean, it's not going to help them not to have their head coach on the sideline, but mentally it will help them to have this chip on their shoulder. But to the rest of the outside world, it's clownery. It's straight up clownery to talk about how much adversity this team is facing and blah, 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 blah. And say, you know, America's team, whatever, you know, if you want to talk about you know, the due process and all of that, and and whether the suspension being handed out now is fair, I think it's a legitimate discussion to have, but It's not like Michigan is denying that they did any of what they did. They're simply saying we're being prosecuted in the wrong way. And I think that sort of delegitimizes any sort of claim that Michigan is somehow a victim in in any way that, you know, yeah, we did it. But, you know, they're carrying out the investigation wrongly. Um, So, I I mean, I, I thought, yeah, the tears on TV. Like, that's just ridiculous.
0: My best advice to Michigan to avoid a situation like this where you don't have to overcome all of this adversity in this point of the season and get punished at this point in the season, don't cheat. Yeah, just play by the rules. Play by the rules like every other team supposedly is. And maybe, just maybe, you won't get punished because you didn't do anything wrong. But you did. You cheated and
1: and you got caught red-handed. And we talked over this. the You made your bed and now you're laying in it. Come on. We talked earlier this season about how the whole free Harbaugh stuff was nonsense because it was a self-inflicted suspension and, you know, who are you going to be freed from yourself, whatever. This is just another level of ridiculous though, because now it's been still not confirmed. Again, we, we have to say allegations, but allegations that seem to be pretty true about this cheating scandal. And you well, know, yeah, I, don't I, know. I don't
0: even call it allegations anymore, Reed, because according to the NCAA and the big 10
1: conference, it happened. Yeah, so you know now, the, the the heavy hand of the law is coming down, and you're unhappy about it. And like this is this is not the time to say free Harbaugh. This is not woe is me free Harbaugh time. It's absurd. He was taken down because his team cheated, and I, I it's just I I just, I just find it absurd. The victim
0: complex is unbelievable, not only for a program who cheated and got caught cheating and was caught by the NCAA and the big 10 for cheating and then got punished accordingly, but also for a program that has been so dominant over the last three years, acting like they're little old Michigan. It's something out of the Dabo Swinney playbook on that is beating uh-huh. everybody by 30 points and going undefeated and saying, Oh, look at little old us. We're just tiny little Michigan. Why would you ever pick on Michigan? Just give me a break. Give me, me a break just can't roll my eyes hard enough at all the posturing coming out of Ann Arbor right now that's what it is it's posturing all right that's enough ranting on uh on the whole Michigan situation for now uh we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with some discussion on our game of the week and our players of the week among other things Till then we'll be right back stay tuned Back here on the 1st and 10, ready to get into our game of the week here in the second half of this program. All right, Reed, bit of a tough one to pick game of the week here. Uh, I think we've got two different options. We could go in terms of stakes or in terms of the actual on-field product. The two options there, kind of a, a weird one is the second one, but Michigan-Penn State, the, the pre-game of the week for our, our preview at last week, what we said, Definitely in terms of stakes, the most important game in the conference this weekend. We already talked about it a little bit, but in terms of the on-field product, Indiana, Illinois was an absolute barn burner, Read This is one of the most exciting football games I've ever watched. A real throwback to the Kevin Wilson era of Indiana football, defense optional.
1: Yeah, that's it, a funny, I don't know. There's, just, there's something funny about throwback to the Kevin Wilson era. I don't know. That, that just kind of made me laugh. Not a good way, but in a way, it just was. Yeah, (laughs) It looked like a Kevin Wilson game where, wow, Indiana scored 45 points and their
0: quarterback looked really good. Oh, yeah, they also gave up 48 and lost in overtime.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me Indiana is going to score 45 points on anyone not named Akron or Indiana State, I'd say, huh? So, yeah, I mean, credit to Indiana where it's due. And it does make me feel really bad for for the Hoosier faithful after seeing what I thought was going to be a comeback to win the game in regulation and then, you know. A loss in overtime. It does really, it you know that fan base has hurt so much lately. I mean, Illinois is a fan base that's also hurt a lot lately. But of course, True. last season they were much more successful. They bowled, of course, and uh, you know. So th- this is sort of like the the battle of. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how to categorize these two teams. The Big Ten's
0: in- redheaded stepchildren.
1: Exactly the redheaded stepchildren bowl is what we should call this one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a shame that a lot of people didn't tune in, in this game because, I mean, part of it's because a top 10 game was happening at the same time, a top 10 game in the same conference, uh, and then also just because of of the records of these two teams, and, and in the end, it may not end up mattering. Both of these teams could end up bowl in, ineligible, um, but, you know, there, were, there was some good, exciting football being played here, and, uh, you know, it, it is a shame not more eyes were on this game, and I mean, you know, beyond just good, exciting football being played, we can talk about Uh, You know, we can sort of bounce around our segments here and talk about our player of the week who just had a completely earth-shattering performance at quarterback.
0: Yeah, let's talk about him. Well, John Paddock, when I saw John Paddock was getting the start over Altmeyer coming into this game, my thought was, okay, cool. We're playing a backup quarterback. This is going to be a lot easier than it would be to play the starter. Altmeyer has certainly struggled this season for Illinois, granted. But John Paddock, the Ball State transfer I think he's a fourth-generation Illini, I believe they said, on the broadcast on BTN. 507 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Just statistically an all-time great passing performance in the Big Ten. Made it look easy. Legitimately, it felt like every single time the ball came out of his hands, it was going for 15 yards. A, A really textbook passing performance. I'm not sure you could have asked for anything better from any quarterback in the entire country. This year, and John Paddock did that in what I believe is his first start as the Illinois quarterback for the injured uh, Luke Outmeyer. He he played in relief against Minnesota last week and brought them back to win the game, but his legend continues to grow in Urbana Champaign uh, with an all time great passing performance. Reed, is John Paddock that guy?
1: I think he definitely made a good case to be him. Uh, I think he might be. Yeah, because you look at his game log. He has his action in four games this season, including the Indiana game, and you know, none of which he had more than 17 passing attempts this time, 24 for 36, 507 yards. I mean, what in the world? That's just what a stat line, man. I mean, we talked about video game numbers, and uh that that that's just about as good as it gets. And now another interesting stat on this one is that the Big Ten single game passing yards record is held by an Illini quarterback. It is not John Paddock. It is Dave Wilson with yes, 621 yards. I mean, that that's video game numbers from before video games existed. I don't know what they would have what 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 metaphor they would have given to that back in the day.
0: Uh, I don't know. Is that like uh, pre-, pre? Well, how pre video game is it? I what year would that have been? I'm looking at the stats right now, so. Uh, it was 1980, actually, in the shoe against Ohio State. He set the NCAA record at the time with 621 passing yards in a game. Uh, there were video games then. There were arcades. He was putting up well, arcade mean, no numbers.
1: Football, no football video games.
0: I think there might have been a football game on the Atari 2600. Really? Let me see.
1: When did the tech Mobile come out? Let's see.
0: That came out in the '80s on the NES, so that was after 1985. I think that might have been '86 or '87. But there was Atari Football. That didn't come out until 1982, though. So, but was there an Atari Football in 1979? This says, I don't know. This this is an unimportant tangent. I, I think no. This was 1982, the first football game on the Atari. But
1: I don't know what the first football game ever was. It was I'm real sports right here- football was on the Atari. I actually am seeing 1978 Atari football, so.
0: There was an Atari football in 1978, too. Okay, so video game numbers, but barely.
1: Yeah, I, I've i played, I've actually played not this game, but the basketball version, yeah. and I'll tell you, this is, you would not be able to put 600 yards up in this
0: game. <laughs> I've played pole position. That is a primitive game, to put it lightly, on the 2600, uh, a system that, uh you know, is famous for also tanking the video game industry in 1983. But that's a different tangent for a different time. Point is, Reed, Illinois football and all-time passing records, a match made in heaven, apparently.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a phenomenal game. And, of course, like this is sort of one of those games, it's like that uh, that famous Chiefs versus Rams game a few years ago, the TCU versus Baylor game, the Georgia-Oklahoma playoff game. You know, it's one of these games where it's just high shooting and just you know, it's kind of like one of those who has the ball last. You know, it's it's less about defense, more about just can you outscore them. Both both offenses playing well, and uh, you know, Paddock, but kind of like uh, kind of like Blake Corb, kind of like Greg Jennings, team on the back. Absolutely, Kyle. Uh, I mean, player of the week, right there.
0: Absolutely, player of the week, no doubt about it. I will give a special shout out to Brendan Sorsby too uh 289 yards three touchdowns and a pick certainly no john paddock but a really good performance by him led indiana back on the final drive of the game 10 points towards the end of this one uh the hoosiers put up to to come back and force overtime including a two-point conversion or was it 14 i I believe they they came back and forced overtime and made a two-point conversion did the whole shebang and then lost in overtime clearly but uh, i thought it was an impressive performance by him and really the whole iu offense I think there are some building blocks for this team going into next season. It's just a question of can they put all the pieces together and the answer to that, probably not. But, hey, that's why you play the games, isn't it? John Paddock, clearly our player of the week, though, Reed.
1: Any thoughts on games of the week, players of the week, any honorable mentions you want to give before we move on to our next segment? Well, I think the Michigan State-Penn State game needs to be talked about just a little bit more. We touched on it um, with our winners and losers there. I think it's also just of note that I think – you know, you weren't very impressed by either team Here, I, I still think the Michigan defense did make a big statement. I think at the same time, Penn state just does play an awful style of offense. So you can only determine yeah. so much, but it's not like Michigan made it easy. I mean, this Penn state team did score upwards of 50 last week. It's not like they just don't know how to play offense. It's, you know, they don't know how to play offense against great defense and and Michigan really did make it difficult for them. I was impressed by the tough style they play. It did look a lot like Ohio state. And I think the Ohio State Michigan game. The more I think about it, of course, both teams still have games this week. Michigan goes on the road to Maryland. Ohio State hosts Minnesota. Both games they should win. That they could potentially lose, but I think both teams will take care of business this upcoming week. as you know a little bit of a spoiler for our preview episode. Um, I think these two teams are pretty dead even in terms of just feel the I same mean, way. They they played Penn State in a really similar way. They they won in similar fashions. Um, I think this is going to be a- an awesome grinded out kind of game where, you know, in the past, it's sort of been this, the past two years, it's been this Michigan, you know, they play tough in the trenches, they dominate Ohio State in the trenches. Now Ohio State is proving they have that ability to do the same. I think Penn State's a tough team as well. I think overall, these top three teams in the Big Ten East, they are tough. That is the word you can use to describe them. Michigan proved they are tougher. And um I do think they're going to give Kyle McCord trouble. I think this, this defense just nothing comes easy against Michigan and not much comes easy against Ohio state either. Um, so I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, my biggest takeaway beyond just, you know, quorum and the coaching situation and all of that is that there is, I, I think the winner of the national championship will be the winner of Ohio state versus Michigan. Interesting. That's Interesting. my, now, now Georgia actually did winning run.
0: three in a row is tough. And Georgia, I think is every bit as hard nosed as Ohio state or Michigan.
1: That's true. Um, I, I just think there's something about these Big Ten teams this year. And uh, and maybe when we get into the playoff, whoever from the Big Ten goes to the playoff, whether it's one or two teams, we'll, we'll expand on this a little bit more. But that's my take for now. And I'm and i and I'm just thinking about the, the defensive showdown we're going to have in Ann Arbor because I, I came into this game thinking – we said in the in the previous show i thought michigan was going to sort of blow penn state away that explosive offense was was going to come in there now blake quorum had a couple explosive runs but it wasn't this just you know break them wide open type of um just air it out type of game of course like we said mccarthy barely even passed the ball um so i think michigan is sort of experimenting with different ways to win games we would earlier this year they've just been dominating teams through the air and on the ground and and just putting up these these great scores and stat lines i think you know, we, we talked about Ohio State in the past and the ways they've won and how winning when you deal with adversity is good and, and winning these these grueled out games is good. Michigan's doing a little bit of the same. They they've won games where they score a lot, now they're winning a game where they rely on the defense and the run game. I think it's good for them to be versatile. We talk, of course, a lot about how deep they are. I think this sort of I actually feel the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, I feel more confident in Michigan after the Penn State game than I did going into it. Interesting. Just because they played a different style of football and won. Exactly. Because that's what you needed to do to win championships. You win need ugly. to be comfortable, win ugly, win tough. And, you know, teams who only know how to win one style. Like, that's why I think Washington, if and when they go to the playoff, will get trounced. They Don't know how that. to play one style of football. And when a team figures that out, even though they play it really well, you know, it's not this unbreakable code. I think Washington will how get. How about a
0: TCU last year?
1: Yeah. Uh, exactly. Now, Michigan couldn't do it, but yeah, yeah. Georgia failed <laughs> them. So, yeah, I, I think Michigan, from that the adaptability standpoint, I feel more confident than that.
0: Hey, I, I like that perspective, Reed, but really to me, Michigan has to get more on the offensive end if they want to beat an Ohio State team that this week, again, impressed me on offense. And I know people have their questions about Kyle McCord, but really another game in which the Ohio State offense moved the ball. Well, granted it was against Michigan State, but – And, yeah, Ohio State and Michigan both had similar performances against a good Penn State defense. I just have a feeling that this Ohio State offense has something in it and has a level of talent to it, namely those two receivers and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emekek Buka that Michigan just does not have.
1: Yeah, and I think we saw it this week against Michigan State with Ohio State where the Buckeyes did look like this well-oiled machine where against Rutgers and against Wisconsin as well, it seems like, you know, some gears were stuck. And, and this week, again, you, you have to to look at it with a qualifier that Michigan State is just simply bad this year. Yeah. You can't just, you know, praise Ohio State too much. But there was there, there was just a rhythm to the Ohio State offense that they were just kind of cut through this defense like a knife through butter in the first half. The only time they didn't score was when they were pinned at their own two-yard line. Other than that, it was swift drive down the field after drive down the field.
0: And they took their they foot off the, in the gas in the fourth, too.
1: Exactly. So... So, you know, it, it was really a first-half game. And Ohio State didn't really need – they only scored three second-half points. They didn't really need to score in the second half. Yeah, Of course, it's nice when you can say, oh, we beat them 49 nothing or 49-3, whatever. Um, you know, when you go into the half up 35-3, then I think that the end result doesn't matter as much as long as you don't let the, the other team back into Stay it. Stay healthy. Exactly. Um. So, I, I like the way McCord and the entire offense were, were moving. And I also – one thing I, I like that – I pointed this out about Penn State is that It's not like Penn state has these schmuck receivers or anything, but Penn state doesn't have a receiver that can just go out of their way to make a spectacular play. And that's what Ohio state has, where, you know, even if Kyle McCord is not consistently a great quarterback, and and even if there's, there's little things wrong here and there on the offense, they have guys who can elevate you Trayvon Henderson and Marvin Harrison jr. Namely, Emeka Buka as well. And Cade Stover had, he had a good day as well. Um, You know, these are guys who, when things aren't going right, they're going above and beyond can lift you back up. I think that is one factor that, you know, many teams around the country have. I think Ohio State has that the most out of any team in the country.
0: And I'll give a special shout-out to Marvin Harrison Jr. Not that he needs another shout-out from either one of us at this point, but in any week where John Paddock doesn't have maybe the best quarterback performance we've seen in the Big Ten in either of our lifetimes – uh his three touchdowns, 149 receiving yards would have been easily enough to earn him player of the week honors.
1: That's right. And and I think had Paddock not had that week, I would have probably given my winner of the week or my uh, player of the week to Coram just because of him. single-handedly, I would say, winning this game on offense. And the Mr. stakes football.
0: of that game as well versus actually But I mean, State and OSU.
1: yeah, but you have to give it to Harrison. You have to at least give him major props, whether or not you're giving him player of the week, because, 149 yards and and not only the touchdowns but the way he made the catches. It just I don't Such know. Such a
0: natural he makes it look so easy when he's clearly superhuman. Yeah. It's effortless. Uh, it's effortless for him. It is. And uh a lot like his dad during his playing days with the Colts, he does things on a weekly basis where it just makes you wonder, is there another human being on earth who is making that play? I remember his dad. One time in 2006, Colts are playing the Patriots on Sunday night football, and he makes this unbelievable juggling, toe-tapping touchdown catch. And and you just think, wow, can any player in the league not named Marvin Harrison make that catch? Can any quarterback in the league not named Peyton Manning put the ball there? And I think right now in college football, you ask the same question to yourself on a weekly basis with Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's making the plays he's making? I don't think –
1: Anybody is, and in terms of the Bulitnikov right now, uh, it's clearly his to lose. And I think one more thing to point out about Harrison, he had a touchdown on a jet sweep to open up the game. Ohio State, in the past, they've had a lot of receivers run these jet sweep-type plays that has done a few times in his career. Xavier Johnson's been the main end-around guy. Harrison's never really done that. And to you know, you know, know, to add that to his game, put that on tape, I don't think he's going to be running many jet sweeps this season, but to just keep it as a threat, to keep the running ability there, because you know, he, he's a phenomenal receiver, but all he's really done is just catch passes. So to first of all, just add another guy who the defense has to look out to for those types of plays, and then in addition to just add another element to his sort of game, I think that's big. Two receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Good for Marvin Harrison Jr. to get involved in, in both facets of the offense there.
0: And if that versatility wasn't enough, I think to to make him the clear-cut number one receiver, not only in the country right now, but in the NFL draft, Uh, then there you go. There's yet another reason why he is absolutely the runaway favorite to be that number one whiteout.
1: All right, Reed, Wheezy's, give me yours. Let's go Wheezy F baby and the F is for finance. (laughs) Planet Aggies firing head coach Jimbo Fisher, the 76 million dollar buyout. And we talked about Mel Tucker or Michigan State avoiding paying an $80 dollar um, excuse me, buyout for Mel Tucker for having cause for firing him and still sort of fighting that legal battle. Michigan State may end up having to cough that up, but I mean, what kind of world are we living in? We're paying people $76 million not to do their jobs. It's just phenomenal. I, I mean, AM, and of course, you know, we say ACDC, come on, come on, listen to the money talks. A- AM has that money and, and the boosters there, just they, they, they drop bags on. And just ridiculous things. They they've got some phenomenal facilities out there. And of course, there was there's a video that got AM into some hot water where a coach was saying to some players on a visit, You look up, that's where the boosters sit. You come here, you can make a lot of money off of them. Whether, you know, and now in the NIL age, um 76 million dollars is an insane figure for a buyout. And but it just it sort of does set this precedent. we we see it in soccer where you know, once one player is sold for a hundred million pounds, here open open up the floodgates for a bunch of other players to be sold for that much. Um, not exactly the same because it's not an open transfer market that hundred million is not going to a different team, but whatever I digress. Um, you know, when things like this happen, they become more normal and we could start seeing teams more often firing people for, for, for numbers like this. And now the question is who's Texas A&M's new coach going to be when LSU was looking for a new head coach, James Franklin was a name that was tossed around. Of course, didn't end up happening. Brian Kelly went down there. I'm curious as to see if A&M is going to look at him. Franklin, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the contract offer would be there, but AM, they, they like we said, they'd like to splash the cash in football. They could bring Franklin in. They could bring in some future Big Ten coaches and Dan Lanning or Kalen DeBoer. Um, and, and I think all three of these coaches are in better spots with their current Big Ten or, I guess, Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten teams than they would be at Texas AM. But there is something about being in Texas, being closer to that recruiting hotbed in Texas, being in a conference that, get so many top recruits, having that Texas a and money both in the program and in your pocket, um, um, it, it is an attractive job, even though it has been a little bit of a, of a, of a hellfire for the last long time. I am interested to see who's going to be replacing Fisher.
0: Texas A&M is a Groundhog Day job. It feels like every single year, oh, they've got the best facilities and all this money and all these recruiting advantages, and they're in Texas, and they bring in the number one class, and they have a great head coach who's won a national championship, and you hear it every single year, and then they just never win anything, ever. They are perennial disappointments, and I don't think that's all on Jimbo Fisher, who's clearly a, a good coach at the bare minimum, who won a title at Florida State, made another college football playoff at Florida State in its inaugural season. You can't just pin it all on him. And, and the $76 million buyout, like you said, Reid, absurd. J- just a, a really unfathomable figure to not do your job. I've always said it. The best job in America is fired football coach and certainly some implications there in the Big Ten for some buyouts that could be looming potentially with that Michigan State lawsuit, uh, potentially Indiana paying Tom Allen's buyout. That's $20 million, a quarter of that. Uh, really the only coaches I think are, are going to be looking at buyouts in the Big Ten right now. But on the flip side, AM to hire a coach who's currently sitting somewhere right now, would have to pay a buyout of some sort at that school and then pay his contract as well. A whole lot more money has to be spent than just the $76 million, plus buying out all the other members of the staff. They are just setting hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars on fire right now, all to probably go to a Gator Bowl. Texas a and football, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, imagine doing all that just to lose to Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Oklahoma and LSU every single year for as long as the sun rises and sunsets. It's insane. It is insane. Uh, college football drives us all insane in one way or another. And in Texas A&M's case, it is certainly, in the financial sense, F for finance, good call, Reed. Shout out to, uh, I don't know, the Fisher College of Business there with Mr. Finance over here. Um, all right, see F, baby. F is for field goal. It's a walk-off winner for Maryland. Just wanted to mention this briefly. 13-10 final in Lincoln. Nebraska had this one and blew it. Chuba Purdy has the ball inside the 10. Brock Purdy's younger brother, if you didn't know. And he throws a really terrible pick. Both teams went back and forth throwing bad picks. Talia had one as well uh, for Maryland really just sloppy game ugly game but in the end Maryland finds enough they get their first win since the month of September and they are going bowling congrats Terps the walk-off field goal in Lincoln does it and Nebraska two weeks in a row it felt like they had really good opportunities to get themselves bowl eligible we got an eligibility bowl this week with Wisconsin and then they've got Iowa the week after that could be tough slaying ahead for the Oscars
1: yeah, I think Wisconsin is the best bet there. Um, but again, not an easy bet by any means. And you just start to wonder, is the opportunity blown? Are they cursed? Uh, yeah, I mean, are, are they ever going to go to a bowl game? I really want to say yes. I really do want to see them in a bowl game, just because the fans just deserve it. I mean, they they've just shown. We we say it all the time on the show. They've shown up. I mean, we've we've never covered a Nebraska bowl game on this show. No, it's a sad fact. I want to see it happen, and it looked like it was so close to happening this week. I just face the- so far, so so far, not
0: quite enough. That interception was backbreaking. If I were a Nebraska fan, that would probably be sealed into my brain for eternity and just on repeat, torturously. I uh, I don't think I would be able to sleep at night. So. I feel your pain, Huskers. That is a tough way to go out and not make a bowl game, at least for now. They're still alive. All right, Reed, let's give our shout-outs and close-out. I'll give a quick shout-out to Spencer Petrus. He entered the transfer portal today. Did not know he was still at Iowa, but uh, forever the future John Elway, if you know, you know. Happy trails. Best of luck to Spencer Petrus. I'm
1: going to give a shout-out to Adriatico's Pizza. I'm going to go walk down the street and pick up a pie from them the second I shut this laptop at the end of this recording. So shout out to Adriaticos. Shout out to Adriaticos. Reed has got himself a
0: nice sausage pizza, hot and ready at a Columbus establishment. Anything else before we finish this one up, Reed? Nothing over here. That'll do it for Reed Murray and for Patrick Feltz. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later this week to preview week 12 of Big Ten football. But until then, we will see you next time. Have yourself a nice night. Bye.